Hey there, friend. Welcome to the What If Project podcast. I'm your co-host, Tracy. And I am your co-host, Rain. We are two lifelong friends who are passionate about learning and developing a joy-filled and sustainable lifestyle. We are on an experimental mission to leave behind the nine-to-five grind while we adopt a more intentional and self-reliant life, all while sharing the journey with you. We are so excited to bring you episode... 21. Yay. (laughs) This is week two of our microgreens module. We are recording on Sunday, March 20th, which happens to be the very first day of spring. Yay. Yes. Even more. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) And this episode will air on Tuesday, March 22nd. It's time to roll up our sleeves and chat about our mighty microgreen experience. All right, let's roll, Rain. Let's roll. I didn't even realize that today was the first day of spring. You've made my whole day. Yay. It's also my parents' anniversary today. So happy anniversary, mom and dad. Happy, Mary Sue. Happy anniversary, Mary Sue and JR. Yep, 51 years. Wow, that's amazing. That's so wonderful. Good for yeah. them. Yep. They're, they're pretty awesome. So let's talk about our microgreen experience. Last week we came with week one podcast and we talked about what our plans were for the next two weeks from that point in time. So now we've actually been in the experiment for one full week and we have another week ahead of us to kind of finish out this module. Today we're going to be talking about Uh, eating the microgreens, growing microgreens, what have we learned about microgreens, what's our cycle looking forward going to look like, and how does microgreens support the What If Project overall in the different areas of focus that we deem necessary here at What If. So, Rain, eating microgreens. Have you been eating microgreens all week? I have made an effort. I've been very intentional and I have had microgreens at least once every single day this week. That is so cool. Yes. I even had to, I don't know if you saw my story that I put up, I think it was Friday night, but I even had to put some of my mixed mild salad greens on my cheeseburger from from my grill because I was like, I haven't had any microgreens today and I need to find a way to work them in. So I used it in place of a piece of lettuce. I actually did see that and I thought it looked delicious. (laughs) It looked like a little slider or something like it looked so good. And it looked like something you'd buy an expensive high end farm to table kind of place. It was good. I would say that the greens were better than the burger. Honestly, I was like, oh, this meat doesn't taste very good to me, but the greens were very tasty. So that's awesome. I actually had some last night. We had just a little bit of chicken that was left over. So, you know, my preference is to eat more plant-based, but every once in a while I will have a little bit of meat and we had just a tiny bit left. It needed to be eaten by the next day or so, mm-hmm. but it was just a little bit and I needed to make it stretch. So I, I put a whole lot of onions with it and made kind of like a chipotle chicken, which is something, mm-hmm. um, my husband and my son both really like getting it at the local me- Mexican restaurant, but I had just a few, of the cilantro microgreens left. And so I put that in my Chipotle onion chicken wrap, a burrito kind of thing that I made. 
and it was spectacular. I would not have wanted lettuce in it. I, it was amazing. So very, very good. Listeners, for your refresher, Tracy bought us some microgreens to start eating at the start of this module last week because we knew that we would be growing over the first bit. And so one of the greens that she bought us was the cilantro microgreen. And I think the cilantro might have been, if not my absolute favorite, definitely in my top two out of that batch that you brought us. Those cilantros were really good. Uh, well, cilantro, I think was my number one favorite. What was your other favorite? The radish. It was between the cilantro and the radish for me. And those are two very different flavors, obviously, but those were my top two. I think my top one would have been either the radish or the beets. I actually really did like the beet as well. Mm. That was the, the one I, good. I was like, I wish I had a little bit more of this. Like that, <laughs> that was the one. They were really good. Mm -hmm. Did you have one that you didn't particularly care for? Yes, surprisingly, I didn't really love the sunflower, which I think you had that same experience. It was too, um, I don't know, I'd rather just have the seeds maybe and the flower itself, like the microgreen of it. I, I don't know if it was too dense or if it just didn't have the same flavor Maybe I had an expectation that wasn't met with those, but I would say if I had to pick one, I would say oh, I could do without, I don't know that I would go out of my way to grow those personally, although they, they are, like I said, dense. So, I mean, there is some substance to them, which isn't really there with a lot of the other ones. So maybe if you're looking for bulk, that would be a good one to do, but I, that was the one I was the least impressed by. Gotcha. Yeah, that was really interesting to me the difference between say like the cilantro or the mix of the radish even the beets they're very delicate right the stem and the leaves they're very soft they're i don't know what the right word is delicate is what i keep coming back to whereas the pea and the sunflower were very dense very robust the stem this part was much thicker the leaves are actually much thicker so it's actually a a more like hearty meatier kind of you know, bite you can, and there's actually like a crisp crunch to it. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I definitely leaned toward enjoying the more delicate microgreens than I did the thicker, heartier one, but I did enjoy the flavor of the pea. Um, yeah. I liked the pea too. You know, I ate all of the ones that you brought us. I ate as a garnish except for the sunflower, which I ate more as a finger food. I put it on my plate and then I popped it in my mouth. Whereas everything else I put into something, like I put it in a salad, I put it on my burger, <laughs> those <laughs> kinds of things, crackers. And was there any other ways that you ate microgreens that surprised you or that you hadn't thought of ahead of time? No, I really only just, I put them in salads. I put them on my burgers. I ate them. Well, I guess eating them as a finger food, like the sunflowers on my plate, along with my cheese and crackers and tomatoes, I don't think I would have considered that as part of the process. I don't think I would have thought about the fact that I could actually pick them up and put them in my mouth the same way I was eating my little baby tomatoes. I thought, oh, well, I'll put them in a smoothie and that kind of stuff. I never actually got that fancy. Did you? No, I really liked enjoying the texture and the taste and the the flavor palette of it and combining mm -hmm. it with other foods. I think one of my favorite ways that I ate 
And I don't remember, I'd have to go back. I think it was Beats. It was Beats. Now that I'm remembering the picture in my head, because I did take a picture of it, was just my plain whole wheat toast with smashed avocado, cherry tomatoes, and then the beets, microgreens, and then a little bit of balsamic vinegar, salt and pepper. And that was like, now my stomach's going to growl again because that was delicious. <laughs> like it was so simple so easy like there, i didn't mess up any dishes trying to prepare this meal like other than the plate that i ate it off of even the avocado i just mashed it right in the avocado skin and just mm -hmm. so a fork um and a plate i guess the knife i mm -hmm. used to open the avocado if it wasn't already cut open but i mean it was so simple but so delicious I did scramble some eggs and added cilantro to it and then topped it with cilantro as well. And I enjoyed it, but I think the toast was my absolute favorite. And how do you feel like yours are holding up in the refrigerator and the containers that we purchased them in? Like, do you have any left? I have a little bit left. I have some sunflower left. I haven't eaten all of that. I do not have cilantro. I do not have peas. I think I only have... I think I have a little bit more of the mix left. And the mix, of course, is the more delicate. So it's not holding up as well. The sunflowers still look pretty good. At least when I looked at them last night, I have not looked at them this morning. Yeah, I feel like mine have held up really well and still all actually look really great. I feel like the beets were the ones that were going the quickest, which is why I ate them up the quickest as well. I was trying to pay mm -hmm. attention to that. We purchased them in plastic containers small containers kind of like what a boxed salad would come in salad mix however it does say that it's compostable which i'm not really sure how that works if it goes off to the landfill if it's actually gonna compost or not but it's a nice thought anyway <laughs> we'll have to see we'll have to check that out we'll figure that out next yes maybe during uh, earth day every day Maybe. <laughs> All right. So we also worked on growing microgreens over the last week. So let's chat about that for a few minutes. Overall, how is your growing process going? I think it's going pretty well. I actually put mine in my containers last Monday morning. So today is technically day seven. And I looked at them this morning and they're all pretty healthy and full. You showed me yours earlier. So I know that we had a difference in our density of planting or propagating, I guess, since we didn't use soil. I'm excited. I'll be eating them here in the next couple of days, I think. Start snipping them off. How about you? Yep. Mine are looking really great i'm very very excited i'm excited to get up and look at them every morning they're like i'm checking on like my, my little babies seeing how they're doing and my daughter has taken a real active role in checking on them as well which is equally exciting to me mm -hmm. uh, makes me very happy they look healthy they seem to be healthy i'm watering them so i'm being consistent in that anyway and they're green at the moment they are not brown or black so <laughs> <laughs> I'm considering this a win so far, um, Good, but let's just tell everybody if in case they weren't following us on social or haven't seen on social, the different resources that we use to get started. So we use seeds that came from a company called Rebel Gardens, and I just bought a pack that they sold. They're supposed to be organic, and it was five different kinds. It was a mild mix, kale, spicy mix 
a what is this sandwich booster mix and a broccoli and so which ones did you plant rain or so or whatever it's called right i did broccoli i did the spicy mix and i did the sandwich mix and we did broccoli the sandwich mix and kale and i let my daughter pick those so those are the three that she picked Mm -hmm. all right and the other materials that we used we for our grow medium we used a hydroponic growing pad from a company called handy pantry it's their micro mats both of those were the seeds and the growing pads were both ordered on amazon so we'll be sure to leave the links in the show notes in case you want to check them out for yourself We also used some small growing containers that Rain actually had already had purchased. And so she shared three of those with me and then used um, some that she had left over for herself as well. And they're about four by seven, would you say, Rain? Five by seven? Somewhere in there, actually. And I bought those on Amazon as well. So we can include that link in the show notes. I'm trying to see if there is, I just had it pulled up. It looks like four by six, maybe. Okay. And the grow mats are actually 10 by 20. So you can get a lot of four by six pieces of grow mat out of a 10 by 20 sheet, which is pretty exciting. So I feel like if we continue to use these smaller containers, what we have on hand will last a while, but that is also mm-hmm. like the standard sheet for a full, full tray. Mm-hmm. Which that would be a lot of microgreens. I'm like, that's a lot. <laughs> Definitely. But right now we have been propagating for personal consumption at a very kind of moderate at best rate, (laughs) you know, once we get to the point, I think that we've decided, okay, I really like this and we have lots of ways and we would be committed to using them. Then I can see growing a full flat. I don't know a full flat of the same item. So I don't know how it would work if it would work well to maybe find a way to create some sort of barrier where you could do spicy and salad and radish or whatever. And then I imagine there might be some flavor crossover, like you probably wouldn't want your cilantro right next to something that had a powerful flavor, like arugula. But I can see if your whole family is doing it or if you're sharing, you know, with friends and neighbors, if you have some sort of like co-op situation set up where you're like, hey, I'll bring the microgreens and you bring the eggs. uh, I can see growing a full flat. Oh, Rain, you're talking dirty to me again. No, I know. (laughs) I know. You know, I know your words, Tracy. I know your special words. You know which buttons to push for sure. Uh, Yes. So I think a high priority for me is to get a hold of some cilantro microgreen seeds. That is a, Mm -hmm. that is definitely a priority for me because I did enjoy it so much. And you know what I never even got to make was like a guacamole or a salsa. And those are Mm -hmm. definitely two things I would like to do, um, which I think you'd want a little bit more quantity. And then I was also thinking, talking about growing a full tray or full flat at a time or multiple flats or trays is if you were using them, say in smoothies, that's something it's going to go much quicker than adding some to a sandwich or topping a salad. Mm -hmm. Or if you were just doing just a microgreen salad, that's the whole base was just the microgreens. You're going to be using such higher quantity that I think you would want 
to produce that much. So um, mm-hmm. I could definitely see us moving that direction. So tell me a little bit about how you started your seeds. Walk me through that process. Okay. So we had the containers, of course, and the mats that you provided. So I cut my mat, I cut it in half long ways, and then I cut it in basically in triples. So I had very little waste from the mat. I got three out of one half. So I'm going to get six, enough for six of the container size from one mat that you provided. And I saturated it with water. And then I just kind of sprinkled my seeds in there and made sure I, I honestly think they were not wet enough the very first day. Like I did spray them down, but I think that they probably could have used a little bit more because you started yours a little bit after mine, but I think yours broke out of their little seed shells faster than mine did. I've just been spritzing them a couple times a day. You know, now that the mat is saturated, obviously it sits there. I've just been kind of spritzing the top of them. I have them over by my front window on a TV tray. It's small enough that I have all three of them kind of set up and I've been kind of turning them so that they get, they get equal light, but not none of them are getting direct sunlight. They're just getting whatever's filtering in and that's it. That's literally what I've done. So they're in a North facing window. Is that correct? Yes, they are. Yep. Cause my house is basically faces due north in the front. So yeah. And then did you, when you first put your seeds in, did you have them covered or uncovered? I had them uncovered. I just put them in and didn't do anything else. Okay. So I think this is probably where some of our big differences have come in. So this is definitely an experimental process. If you listen to week one, what I said was that Rain and I would have a conversation and we would follow the same practices, but we mm-hmm. you know, we didn't do that. So what we ended up with is an experiment, which does not surprise me at all because we love experiments. So we've mm-hmm. different. We we have followed slightly different procedures, which is great because now we can compare notes and see the difference. So I took the same containers. The containers do have lids. The bottom part is green, a solid green. The lid is clear and there is a little vent, which is really nice. I didn't use the vent, but it's nice that it's vented. So we cut the same way we cut the pads to fit. And I tried to play with it a little bit to make sure I was going to get the optimal amount of cuts or pieces out of one full grow mat. Then we put them in the bottom of the trays. The grow mat went into the bottom of the tray. And then I ran some water in there and let the, basically it's a glorified thick paper towel, absorb all of the water that was in the container and then poured off any extra after a few minutes. Then I sowed the seeds um, and my daughter helped me with that. And I did mine pretty dense, not all of them touching, but fairly dense. And then spritz them again, just very, very little, just so there was actually like a little bit of moisture on top of the seeds, then put the lids on all three of them. And then I covered them with a towel and they are sitting in my office, which is facing east. But I left them covered for the for like the first three days with the lids and with a towel. So they were in not 100% darkness, Complete. But, but they were dark. Mm hmm. So and why did you do that? Because I, I didn't even think to do that. So is that something that you on, had researched? Yeah, I just saw it on a video. That's what this guy did on this video that I watched. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll just try it. I'll see what happens. 
And I mean, I guess it kind of like in my mind made a little bit of sense because when I plant in dirt, the seeds go like in the dirt. So I was like, oh, okay, we'll try it. So that's just what I did. Pulled the towel off on day three or after day three. I also sewed mine on the 15th, which was Monday, but mine was more closer to the afternoon. And I believe it was yesterday I took their lids off. I felt like they were holding on to almost too much moisture. I gave them a smell, which I know is probably really weird, but I was smelled each one and one just like, it didn't smell musty, but like pre-musty, like mm -hmm. that's a smell. And so I was like, okay, I think that's time to take the little lids off, which now they're drying out quicker. So they definitely need to be spritzed multiple times per day. Uh, so that's it. That's my process thus far. So when you took the towel off, then you started watering them every day and then replacing the container lid, or you just took the towel off and continued to let them do whatever? I spritzed them every day, but those first few days, they didn't seem like they needed it more than once. I kind of touched the, the little grow pad underneath and it was very mm -hmm. wet. So I just would spritz them once a day. Uh, of course, they were holding on to a lot of that moisture because the dome lid was on. And then I, mm -hmm. once I took the towel off, I left the the lids on for another couple of days. You could see the condensation in there because it was building up on the clear lids. So you could see the little water droplets. So it was holding on to the moisture more. Now the lids are off. Um, I had turned the, we have a ceiling fan back here, which it was a beautiful day, but it started to get stuffy in the house. So I had opened some windows and turned on the ceiling fan. And I realized that dried them out much quicker. So I'm definitely realizing some like environmental factors of what's drying them out quicker than others. I'm sure if we were running the heat, that would dry them out as well. So yeah. Gotcha. Well, yes, it definitely sounds like we approached it two different ways. I am sure that has much to do with the fact that we didn't actually coordinate anything to start with. But it's nice to know that both ways are capable of success, depending how closely you want to pay attention to it or what kind of circumstances you can provide for the plant. So that's good to know. Yeah, I love it. I'm actually kind of glad we did it differently in the long run because mm -hmm. I like I love the experimental part of it and how we can do two different scenarios and what the actual product is at the end and be able to learn from each other through that. Yeah, I like that too. All right, let's see. It's very low effort, relatively, I feel like low cost of what we're looking at sitting here today. What I purchased for Rain and I was about $30, so $15 each. I'm not sure how much, you know, the three containers would have cost. I'm guessing there were not a huge expense. So it's something you can get into initially. To me, that's a very low cost. And the truth of the matter is you can do what we did with a recycled milk container and some wet paper towels and some seeds that you find at the Dollar Tree or at Walmart. You can really drop into this skill at literally any point on this spectrum. I mean, you can go to the grow lights, waiting the seeds part of learning about it and there's total value there, or you can go to the, I'm going to put this thing together and tape it shut and look at it in three days and see how it's going and take it from there. Either way. Well, you know that I am all about recycling and reusing containers, mm -hmm. especially if they're mm -hmm. of the plastic variety. 
single use is not my jam and I definitely have intention, especially moving into April, which is the most wonderful month of the year. <laughs> <laughs> it is a pretty great month. So if you guys don't know me by now, like it's Earth Day, it's my birthday. It is just a, it's a great month. I love April. Um, it's normally Easter. It's a wonderful, but I definitely would like to take exactly what you just said. I was thinking more along of like one of those plastic mixed green containers you can buy, which somebody brittle me this why does organic greens that you buy from the grocery store have to come in a hard-sided plastic container i'd like to use one of those containers to try to grow some microgreens i would love to try the paper towel some kind of material that's just readily available that you don't have to special order maybe a shop towel that's a little bit thicker i don't know but i would definitely like to try different ways and and even different areas of my home to see if it gets different results i'm looking forward to kind of the experimental process and we're even looking at incorporating that even to part of our homeschool for our, for my daughter oh, that's cool all right so we've learned a lot about microgreens a little about growing them a lot about eating them at the end of the oh. day, they're green, they're organic, they're grown locally. They check off all so many boxes. They're fresh, they're good for you. You know, that's all that I need to know to continue, but I would like to know a mm -hmm. few more details. I do have one thing, okay, that I did learn. So some of them and the ones that actually I'm sort of accidentally growing in my soil in my window, some of them will give you multiple harvests. So some of them don't, but some of them will. And some of them you can actually get two or even three cycles of microgreens out of. They're generally not going to be as robust as your first growing. And you have to be intentional about the way that you harvest them and cut them and all of that kind of stuff. But there are certain varieties that you can seed once and then cycle through two or three before you actually have to start a new set of seeds. And by that, do you just mean because you cut it, you like use some scissors and you cut the microgreens off down low on the stem and then they'll regenerate? Yes. So it seems like, and this is probably because I let my window greens get a little wild and wooly before I started <laughs> working them. But yes, if you cut them like at certain points, then I think you kind of have to cut them, you know, like you're grafting a tree or something. So you have to be careful about at the node and all of that. But if you cut them at a certain point, and I don't think it's too low, I think you actually want to cut them a little bit higher and then they'll kind of continue to branch out and give you some additional additional greenery to That's munch so on. Cool. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. But not all of them, but some of them. And the ones that I have just incidentally are like that. Okay. And this is kind of our last question before we move into our biz dev tech section is how do microgreens support the what if projects kind of litmus test our categories that we've established and being able to cross over into multiple ideas and topics? I would say that for me, it checks a lot of our primary boxes, right? It is a skill that we're learning that gives us more opportunity for self-reliance and sustainability. It's relatively, like you mentioned before, it's relatively low effort for high result in a positive way, in a healthy way. 
in a way that engages our families. It is relatively low cost. I mean, especially if you get heirloom seeds or you learn how to collect seeds and save them and repropagate them, which is not a skill that I know how to do, but it is on my list of what I need to learn this summer along the way. So if you're able to do all of that stuff, you can continue growing these greens, feeding your family, providing alternative sources of nutrition without having to rely on some of these external systems, which we, Tracy and I in particular, are becoming less and less trustful of and more and more interested in deliberately rejecting. Absolutely. And There's definitely, and you alluded to this in your video that you made the other day, which you can find on Instagram, is the preparedness factor, that this is a great opportunity to, with not taking up a whole lot of space, be able to store seeds and the equipment that you would need, which is very minimal, to be able to grow something in the event of emergency that you couldn't either get to the grocery store or the supply chain couldn't get to you. Well, and you know, Tracy, I really love the element of your experimental growing versus mine because I've had mine in the window the whole time. They've been exposed to light and they've been open. Whereas if you really are in a situation you know, where you're talking about preparedness and you could put some seeds in and stick them in a closet for two or three days or in the trunk of your car for two or three days. If you were having to evacuate or move to a different place, or you didn't want to have your windows open for whatever reason, if we're talking about a hurricane and you think, okay, well, maybe there's going to be a power outage. You can put some seeds and stick them away until three or four days down the road. And as long as you can just double check, as long as they're not completely disturbed, then you could be getting yourself in a position to have that fresh food, regardless of if the grocery store was going to be open and as you eat your way through your own reserves or when you get to where you're going. Absolutely. And the fact that it's such a short growing period especially if you had things cycling already, if you already had Mm -hmm. something in a cycle that you're going to have food being generated, even though they're micro foods there, it is Mm -hmm. adding a way to add fresh food to your diet, but also a yield that doesn't take months and months to grow, which I think is phenomenal. Um, And there's no electricity needed. Like you don't have to have electricity to be able to do this. You just need the seeds some basic equipment and water. I know for a fact we will talk about water and the importance of water and preparedness here coming very soon, but that's, Mm -hmm. that's it. Yeah. So I think microgreens, it's not, you're not going to sustain yourself on it long-term, but it is a way to help you. If all you're eating is, you know, sandwiches or something, it is a way to give you fresh, healthy, nutritious, and an injection of those things into your body, if the other systems that are working in your environment are not helping support those elements, this is a, a quick and easy way to do it for yourself. Yeah. And it's green, right? Just some of the exact mm-hmm. same reasons we just said. There's the water involved is very minimal, very, mm-hmm. very minimal compared to drawing a water hose out to your garden and standing there and watering your garden. Um, Mm -hmm. you don't need electricity 
You can use containers over and over again or containers that were designated originally for a different purpose. So it's a very green activity, which makes me very happy. Yeah. This one really checked a lot of boxes, Tracy. And in ways that honestly, I don't know at the beginning, I would have expected it to to do as much as it did as far as our litmus test, our scratch and sniffs. I love it. Makes me so happy. All right. Are we ready to move on to our biz dev and tech section? Absolutely. All right. So first thing that we can just pat, pat ourselves on the back is we got our taxes filed. Woo. Yay. <laughs> so the March 15th deadline came and went and we had our stuff in on time, which is very exciting. We did end up using a agency to help us with that, our local Jackson Hewitt. And they were fantastic. They worked us in. We really thought it was something we'd be able to handle ourselves. And in the end, we decided we are not experts in this department. And we really want our business side set up the very best way possible moving forward. And while we had no income to claim for 2021, we're really hopeful that we will have some to claim for 2022. And we wanted to go ahead yes. and establish and show records. We wanted to show the contributions that we've made, the expenses that we have been tracking. So that is all great. It's all set up and ready for us to use for next year. The only piece left of that is that our, is it LLC paperwork will be due for yes. the annual renewal to the state by April 15th. The other thing that we worked on this past week was we really dove into the different categories. So you kind of just heard us talk about those a second ago. We really wanted to nail down and really label these different categories of the What If Project. And so we worked on that this past Saturday and we really got a lot of work done. And those categories were able then to lead us to be able to create things like our highlights on Instagram. So mm -hmm. that was awesome. Randy, can you remember that those categories off the top of your head? Our highlights categories or just overall? Cause I literally just pulled up Instagram to pay attention. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like the, the Instagram ones kind of give the, a great overall category overview. Okay, so what we ended up putting into our bio, so the kind of the driving overall concepts that that things are going to be organized or things are organized around. Obviously, it starts with our relationship, right? And we are to BFF moms, but then we it's skills building, sustainable living, preparedness, going green, thrifty life, passion driven intentional and serving joy. So that's what's kind of in our bio. And then we went into our highlights and we sort of drilled down even a little bit more. And those are sustainability, how to and DIY, thrifty, go green, preparedness and podcast. We worked on really nailing down and drilling down our bio. We worked really hard to update it, to really bring us to where we are today and be able to capture the intentionality behind what we're doing and really be able to define what the What If Project is. So that was a, an amazing exercise. And we did spend a lot of time on it, but it was time well spent. I think at one point yes. I was like, wow, we spent a lot of time just debating this one word and Rain's like, I will spend all day debating <laughs> that word. And 
that was not an idle threat. I, I totally would. <laughs> but it was, it was a very fruitful exercise in the end. And we were able to update our bios across all of our different channels, podcast to social media, and even website, which was the next thing that we've worked on throughout the past week. We, of course, did not get as far as we thought we would, but that's okay too, because we feel like the timing is really organic and it's really what it's supposed to be. We have worked on the blog category or the blog page on our website. And so we're both actively working on some different blog posts at the moment. As I already said, we updated our bio. We've worked on the home page. We've worked on our about us page and a contact us page. So those things are all coming together nicely. It's just, just like everything else, it's one small baby step at a time. But over the course of the last six months, Tracy, since we hit play in our socials, since we started actively contributing and building those socials up every single day, it's astonishing to look back and see how much we've accomplished just from being consistent. And there are days that we've taken off where we have said, okay, you know, I am going to just maybe share a story today. For me, I have been feeling very much like Sundays have been podcast only, you know, we have our conversation, we talk for an hour. Or so just about whatever we need to talk about beforehand, we do a little business and then sort of whatever comes up, but I haven't been real intentional about doing anything too heavy on the business side or even on the content creation side. I've been taking that as a little bit of a break and that seems to have worked. I just look back over it and I think, oh my gosh, we have come such a long way and we have such a long way to go, but it's not, I feel like having the foundation behind us now and going through all of these elements, all of these changes, all of these regroupings and refocusings and it's getting better and better and better each time we are getting more dialed into where we want to go. And it's freed me in so many ways from this sort of panic of it has to be right. It has to be right. It has to be right. Because I've realized even when it's wrong, it's been right. And we've practiced that. We've publicly practiced that in a way that I hope will be helpful to Joy because I, I'm hopeful that she is also seeing, okay, you know what, even when it doesn't work out, it's still working out. I just have to hold close, like hold these things that are important to me in my heart. What are those things? How do I promote them? How do I support them? How do I learn about them as I go? And oh, the What If Project is a great resource and there, there are all these elements. Maybe I don't want to listen to a podcast, but I love their Instagram or you know, maybe Instagram's not really my thing, but there's so much great stuff going on on Facebook. And then as we build continuing forward with our blogs and our YouTube and whatever else comes along, I have really been encouraged. And I know we keep using that word, but for me, that's an important word because I tend to get discouraged. I really do. And that is the perfectionist thing. That is the, oh, I didn't do it right. And, and now I've got to kind of lick my wounds and hide in my corner. I haven't felt that throughout this process and and it's going away even in other elements uh, of what I'm doing in my life and so that that's been really great but the consistency is something that I'm incredibly proud of on both of our behalves I am as well with every next step the next right step will it just kind of materializes and I think that that's just so reassuring we might not know exactly what that is but it's it's there and so mm -hmm. it's this opportunity to really trust our guts and trust ourselves, which is really important to us, 
but also being able to kind of let go of that perfectionism to a certain degree, not all the way, but a little right. bit being able to say, you know what, this is done and it's done well. Is it done a plus 106%? Well, maybe not, but it is done and it's done well. Did I spend six hours preparing for this and outlining this? Well, no, maybe not, but we're doing it and we're doing it authentically, which I think is, that's another one of our words is authentic. And I feel like if this project is nothing else, it is authentic. It is authentically us. It is authentically curated for joy, for her to be able to identify with and connect with in a way that is transparent. It's real. It's the good, the bad, the ugly. And she knows she's not getting a bunch of fake malarkey. She's getting the mm -hmm. real deal at the same time. So I love that. All right. So looking forward into the next few weeks, as far as the biz dev tech side, we are going to be working on the website continually. We're going to be building out those blog posts. We're also going to be working on our Amazon affiliate status and building the pages necessary for that over on the website as well. So that's something we can look forward to because while we are sharing these resources right now and we don't get anything back for it, we would eventually like to and there be the actual business element involved. <laughs> so that is something that we're looking forward to and hope that you all will participate in. We will have affiliate links. We will have affiliate programs so that we can make an income off of this. That is our goal. Yes. And my most excited thing, that's what's next. I'm so excited. So Rain came to me before we got ready to record and said, hey, what do you think about, or I, I actually would think her words were, what if we, which is mm -hmm. the, how the what if project was formed was by continually asking ourselves questions like, what if we did this? And what if we do this? And what if we were to blah, blah, blah. So she said, what if we have like a 30 day kind of focus for one particular topic we wouldn't be doing away with the modules this would just be an addition to it would be something that fits very naturally into our categories kind of our premise of what the what if project is based around and so i said well I, I love that idea and i think we've circled around it several times and so i am very excited to announce that our very first month-long I don't know. What are we going to call it, Rain? Our challenge, our focus. I don't know, but I'm super glad that we have a half day planning session already on the calendar for next weekend so that we can hammer out those details. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know either. I think probably it's going to come down to how we plan to really use it like in our community as to what we end up calling it. I don't really see it as a challenge. I really see it as a way to make connections and to offer some consistency even throughout the modules themselves. So it, it's more of an, a concept, like a consistency concept, and then people can flow through into our, into our social and look for more details. Oh, I love that. A consistency concept. That's a great term. And are very probably a little probably a probably a mouthful for what we're actually trying to accomplish <laughs> no but i love i love the meaning behind it yeah so our very first one for the month of april which is the next full month that we have ahead of us which you already heard me say is my favorite month of the year and we are mm -hmm. going to be focusing on everyday 
Earth Day April. So I am super excited about every day is Earth Day April. It's going to be awesome. What exactly that looks like at this point in time, we don't really know for sure, but I imagine it's going to look like just taking an opportunity every single day during the month of April, there's 30 days and saying, what am I doing today that contributes to this idea that every day is Earth Day? And we might have mm-hmm. some prompts or some ideas and some hashtags to use to go along with it. And what we're looking for is to incorporate that and in baking it into our own lives and then offering it as an opportunity to anyone following along or joining along with us to do the exact same thing. Right. And I think I know what I really like about that too, especially with the every day is Earth Day or Earth Day every day or both, is it gives us an opportunity to build community with like-minded people in the realm of these different facets that are important to us. It's natural, it's authentic, and but it's not so pigeonholing us that we can't then go to the next thing that's important to us while continuing to still propagate interest and awareness and learning where we recently were and where, of course, we will continue to be over and over again. Absolutely. I think that's, it's so spot on and it checks again, so many boxes. Rain, do you want to give a sneak peek here of what our topic for our next module is going to be? Sure. We are going to be starting a from scratch module. So it's going to be just kind of how can I put things together in my house with stuff that I probably have on hand anyway. It's probably going to look like some food stuff. It's going to look like some household items. It may look like some personal items, but it's going to be from scratch. So just how can I rely on myself for some of these basic needs that I might have in the event that I want to, or I am unable to find exactly what I want elsewhere. I'm super excited about this. This is going to be so much fun. All right, we're going from green to from scratch. Yes. (laughs) All right. Well, I think that that just about does it. Is that a wrap? That's a wrap.